morning, everybody. <clears throat> Today's reading will be in Psalm chapter 15, Psalm of David. O Yahweh, who may sojourn in your tent, who may dwell on your holy mountain, he who walks blamelessly and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, he does not slander with his tongue, he does evil to his neighbor nor takes up reproach against a friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. But who honors those who fear Yahweh? He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put, on, put, put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. These are the words of God. Praise be the word of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we're able to share in your word. Lord, please be with John Nich Pastor John Nicholas as he comes to share your word. Just give him the, uh, the words, the strength, the courage to, to relay that to us. Please, I pray for all of our hearts and our ears that we're able to receive it for your glory and your honor. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please turn to Judges. Chapter 11. Starting in verse 29. Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. Then Jephthah made a vow to Yahweh and said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be Yahweh's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them, and Yahweh gave them into his hand. And he struck them with a very great slaughter from Aror, to the entrance of Mineth, 20 cities, and as far as Abel Kareman. So the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. Then Jephthah came to the house, to his house at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. Now she was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son or daughter. So it happened that when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, but I have opened my mouth to vow to Yahweh, and I cannot take it back. So she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth to vow to Yahweh. Do to me according to what has gone out from your mouth, since Yahweh has avenged you of your enemies, the sons of Ammon. Then she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity, I and my companions. Then he said, Go. So he, went, so he sent her away for two months. She went with her companions and wept on the mountains because of her virginity. And it happened at the end of two months that she returned to her father, and he did to her according to the vow which he had made. And she did not know a man. Thus it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in the year. 
this story, this narrative that I just have given to you is because of the vow that was made to the Lord. The title of this message is A Question of Character. Hence the reading. This was a man, Jephthah. I'm not going to get into the details of that vow and what was there, but he made a vow before the Lord and he kept that vow. His character caused him to keep that vow. In Psalm 15, it is a question of character. In that first verse, this Psalm of David, no specific period of time given uh, for when he has, had written this psalm. But he says, O Yahweh, O Lord, who may sojourn in your tent, who may dwell on your holy mountain? This question that is given is, is not a question of earning God. It is a question that is seeking the requirements of those that are found righteous before the Lord. It's not merely a question about God's commandments, the summarization of which is the Ten Commandments. The truncated version is that which is found in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39, where the, Lord, where the Lord Jesus says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What, what David is saying here is what is a person who believes these things, how are they supposed to act? What do their lives look like? What is the evidence of what they believe? Psalm 53, verses 2 and 3, give the opposite. Show us the negative. Tell us about the non-righteous. Tell us about the God-haters. Psalm 53, 2 and 3, God looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who has insight, anyone who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned back. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Fifteen, then, when David asked this question, is one of character. It is a question of character. What are the identifying traits of those who love God? This is not and will not be an exhaustive list, but rather a representative list of things that is found in the one who loves the Lord. The sections, because this is a work of parallelism in the Psalms will not follow the verses as they were, are laid out. 
some of the parallels will be part of one verse and part of the next verse. For example, this first parallel verse, or this first parallel statement is just the first part of verse 2. And it says these words, he, okay, so who may dwell in that tent, who may be on your holy mountain, in verse 2a it says, he who walks blamelessly and works righteousness. This is the first characteristic, walking and working, this man of action, not passivity. He is not passive in his, uh, in his walk. He is diligently working. He is active in what he is doing. He is walk, he's walking blamelessly and working righteousness. Walking blamelessly and working righteousness. That blameless walk is one of truth, virtue, uprightness. Truth, virtue, and uprightness. This is the thing he's walking in, those things that he desires, those things that he finds as joy. And I could say right here that it is the person who looks to the commandments, the word of the Lord, and delights in who God is. It is not the person who looks at the word of God, the commandments of the Lord, and sees a taskmaster that sees the head jailer. This is the person that hears God's word, sees his commandments, and says, yes, these are the best for me. What he says is the best for me. I delight in a God that tells the truth. I delight in a God that, that, that sees virtue as important, that is upright, that is one who is true to his word. I delight in those things, and because God is like that, I seek to be like the God that I worship. It is a walk that he has, this blameless walk, that describes not only his relationship with others, but also his relationship with God. And I just want to say that I'm going to be using the male personal pronoun a lot here in his because of the way it's written, but this applies to women also. Think back to, think back to Abram before his name change in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse one. Now it happened that when Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. Or turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18, the continuation of this idea of blamelessness and the importance of it. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 13 Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 13, it says, you shall be blameless before Yahweh your God. You shall exhibit truthfulness, virtue, uprightness. 
Truth, virtue, uprightness. These are those things that should exemplify the man or woman of God. This is the person that not only walks in this manner, that is not that does not need to be hidden, that walks in a truthful way. I used to have a, uh, the owner of the company I worked for one time, he said, when we do work for our customers, he said, later on when you're walking down the street, the work should be in such a fashion that you don't feel that you need to cross the street to avoid talking to the customer. You should be able to walk in that truthfulness, uprightness that you have dealt with them. And this is what this man does here. Proverbs 8.15 says, By me kings reign and rulers, right? As rulers now, as we go into the, to, to his work of righteousness, and rulers mark out righteousness. So he walks blamelessly, works righteousness. Walks blamelessly, works in righteousness. It is that person that acts in a way that is right before the Lord. It is that person who looks at those commandments of God and says, this is the way and these are the things that are important. I will put to death sin in my life. We know that in Colossians 3, 5, it says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. We also know from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It says that this man here in Psalm 15 works righteousness, works rightly, looks to walk in a manner that is right before the Lord. But we say we have no sin here in John. It says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What could we possibly do then to work righteousness? But John gives the answer, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So we have this example here of walking blameless, walk, uh, walking in blamelessness, working in righteousness, walking and working, doing these things. Things that, we, that were exemplified in the previous text when we read in, in Genesis, we read about Enoch, Noah, Abram, who were all considered walking in righteousness. They were flawed men nonetheless, yet they sought after the ways of the Lord. They found joy in not only seeking out the Lord, but ex being examples of his characteristics. They did not treat the word of God, God's commandments as a cage. These are those characteristics of the man of God, the one who delights in the Lord. 
It is the one that seeks to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of his calling as a son of God. It is the one who seeks out justice. That one, as I said before, that is seeking to put to death sin in his own life, to walk in a righteous manner, not a self-righteous manner. It is one that is seeking out God's character and loving the character of the Lord, seeking to be more and more as an example of what it means to love God. The second part of verse 2 in the first part of verse 3, it says, In this person also, it is the talk of the righteous man, of the blameless man. It says, And he speaks, speaks truth in his heart, and he does not slander with his tongue. It is the outward speech of a righteous man. How a man speaks betrays what he believes in his heart. What comes out of the mouth tells us what a person truly believes and what they truly believe about the Lord. This blameless, righteous man speaks truth. And when he does so, he is speaking from that position in his heart. He is speaking from a heart that delights in God's ways and seeks to please him in his actions, in his speech. He does not slander with his tongue. He does not speak falseness with his tongue about others. He does not tear down others at the water cooler. He does not speak, we could say this, he does not speak without truthful purpose. He does not spread rumors or lies about somebody else. Connected with that first part of the sentence, it is the truthful heart is unable to slander or to speak falsely about someone else. He only speaks truth. We have spoken previously about such people just in Psalm 10, verse 7. It would say those wicked ones are, his mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. You may have known people like this. You yourself may have been one of these people. Psalm 12, 2. They speak worthlessness to one another with a flattering lip and with a double heart. They speak. We could say then, our words are important. Not a word that we have uttered will be lost. All those words which we have spoken through our lifetime will be held in examination by the Lord. It should terrify anybody that is not found in Christ Jesus. What we truly believe comes from our speech. And David is saying here what this person truly believes, this one who has sought out the Lord's righteousness, who walks blamelessly, he speaks truth and does not slander. He speaks truth and does not slander. This 
truth speaking is important because God the Father is truth, described as the only true God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the word of God is called truth. I would say that truth is pretty important. John chapter 17 tells us this. John chapter 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that you know that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is in Jesus' prayer. That they know the truth of the Lord. John 14, 6 is when Jesus says these words, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then in John 14, 17, he says, the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. And then... John 17, 17, where Jesus says, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Therefore, we can say that there is no place in the lover of God, those that are found in Christ Jesus, for mistruth and slander. There is no place for it. And if we say mistruths, or we speak in gossipy tones, we should immediately ask for repentance. From our heart, we should only speak the truth in the truth, knowing the Lord of truth is our God, seeking to please God and not man, because it is a joy to please our Savior. So that we had the walk in the work, the speech from the heart, and then we have the standards of the righteous man. Verse 3, B and C, nor does this one do evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend. He does not seek to harm his neighbor. He is one who is loyal to his neighbor. He does not lay traps for his neighbor. He does not seek the worst for his neighbor. We get that evidence in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, never paying back evil for evil to anyone, respecting what is good in the sight of all men, never seeking revenge against that neighbor. Romans chapter 13, verse 10, love does not work evil against a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 3 John, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. And I see in this scripture right here, that this one who dwells in the holy mountain, that dwells in the tent of the Lord, does not do evil to his neighbor, does not take up reproach against his friend. 
Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. And do not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead even expose them. So these are the evidence of this righteous purchase person, this blameless one, this one who walks in this manner of integrity, uh, this manner, this person that walks in a manner that seeks to glorify God in everything that he does. There is no thing that is outside of the purview of, God's, of God seeing it, so therefore we should walk in a manner that seeks to glorify him in what we do, and in this case, does not do evil against his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend. Verse 4 a and B, verse 4, A and B, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. There is no place for those who are vile, that those who are God-haters, uh, for this righteous person. He despises those who deny the Lord, those that deny who God is, uh, those who, that do, that who deny that there is a God. Now, I am not speaking about those that are ignorant about God. I'm speaking about those who willingly, purposely deny that there is a God. Those ones who have heard and deny. Those ones who have been led to the truth and then turn away from it. These are the ones that reject the commands of the Lord and despise those commands. Those are the ones that say that what I want to do is better than what the Lord wants to do. Conversely, in this passage, he honors those who fear the Lord. He honors those who honor God. And that idea of honor there is a very weighty word. It comes with exceeding weight behind it. It is not casual to honor the Lord. It is one of supplication, bowing down before, face not raised, but down to the ground. It is the person before the sovereign who has the keys of life and death. The one who can not only kill the body, but cast the soul into hell. It is serious, it is a serious nature of honoring God. It is not flippant. It is one, it is that person whose character of living is one that is honoring God because of the fear of the Lord. As a God that is lifted high above them, we do not see God face to face. And by this, I want to be very careful with what I'm saying. That the Lord God is above us significantly right now. He is the one that is guiding the universe in all of, it, in all of its detailed and exquisite wonder. He is the one that is keeping you alive where you are right now, keeping the atoms of this pulpit together, 
keeping the pages in my book that are there, allowing the sunlight to shine on the building. He is that one that controls all those things, and you are not him. We must continually keep that in front of us. Yes, the fear of the Lord is important, and Proverbs chapter 3 would tell us that the fear of the Lord, that is right understanding of who God truly is, is the beginning of understanding. Do not trust in your own ways. Do not make a God of your own creation, but fear the God who has created everything. That proper sense of fear, and it goes back to John himself, when Jesus was in the garden, and he said his name, 500 to 1,000 men hit the ground before they took him away. It is right understanding who God is. It is the one who honor, he honors those who fear the Lord. Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. Psalm 50, verse 23, just a few forward, a couple pages forward there. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me, and he who orders his way, I shall show the salvation of God. Or Psalm 119. Go to Psalm 119, verse 63. I am a companion of all those who fear you, who fear God, and of those who keep your precepts, keep your laws, keep your word. This man who walks blamelessly, works righteousness, speaks truth, does not slander, does not do evil to his neighbor, takes up a, does not take up reproach against his friend. This one who, who, who despises the reprobate, this one is the one who honors those who seek the Lord as he does. And if he finds those that are seeking the Lord and they're stumbling along the path, he is the one that would encourage them. He was the one that would lift them up and, and help them along the way. That would help them understand this is the manner of this person who can dwell in God's tent and can dwell on his holy mountain. And then in verse 4, see the last line of 4 is the next couplet. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. That's why I read that verse out of Jeph about Jephthah. He swore, and it was to his own hurt, and did not change. This is that man of integrity. When he swears to something and he keeps his word, he does not change his mind. That's why vows are very solemn and not to be taken with that word again flippantly. In that manner of making those vows and those promises, we remember it is God that's, whose promises never fail and never cease to happen. So we look to that one of Jephthah and we go with sadness with what occurred there, but we also see the daughter following through. 
with the vow that was made. This would be that man too swears to his own hurt and does not change would be that man who's not afraid of godly correction also. Is that man who the Lord approves, the Lord approves of those that keep their promises even when it is to their own hurt to do so. Verse 5, A and B, is money in this righteous man, this blameless man, this one who can live in the tent of the Lord. It says, he does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He does not take out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Now, this is that righteous man in the area of finances. Now, this is not a passage about earning interest or gaining interest. Even though you see it right there, you must look at the context of what is being spoken about to find out what is truly behind this. This is that person that takes advantage. This is that person that takes advantage of the situation of others with regard to making money. Nehemiah speaks specifically to this. If you would turn to Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah chapter 5, to see this example of how it played out in the life of the Israelites. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Actually, we can, actually, let's, let's grab it, verse 1, down through those. It says, Then there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. Now there were those who were saying, We with our sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us, let us, grain, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were others who were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses that we might get grain because of the famine. Also, there were those who were saying, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced into subjugation. And we have no power in our hands to help and our fields and our vineyards belong to others. The problem of people were profiting off of the difficulties of others. They were profiting off of the poverty of others. You see this now in this day and age with uh, predatory credit cards. You see it with various loan systems that are set up that keep you in the bondage of that all the time. It is a problem but it is not a problem for this one who can dwell in the house of the Lord. He does not put out his money at interest, and he does not take a bribe against the innocent. 
Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9 says, You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. You shall not take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. The use of money demonstrates both proper thinking or it can demonstrate wrong thinking about God. Those who use the money, use money wrongly and get money wrongly are the exact opposite of the ones that the Lord blesses. Those ones that use money wrongly would be those ones that have the love of money in their hearts. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if the eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. So this righteous man of God uses his money wisely. He uses his money wisely. He does not seek to gain off the innocent or the poverty stricken or the poor. And because of these things, as we read the walk, the work, the talk, the hatred of evil and those things that the Lord hates, honoring those that fear God, truthful swearing and keeping his promises. using money wisely and not taking bribes against the innocent. It says there at the end of verse five, it says, the one that does this, he who does these things will never be shaken. The one who walks in that manner, a manner that seeks to please the Lord, that finds joy in pleasing the Lord, not the one who, who seeks to do the things that God desires and in the back of his mind is hating everything about it, but the one who says that to do things these way, this way is, is the right way. And I find joy in it because God says that's where my joy is at. There are ups and downs in this life, but... This man has confidence in the person or the, or, the, or the character of the Lord, and it is firm in that. Micah, you know this verse, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love loving kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. 
to walk humbly with your God. John chapter 13. We would know from Mark chapter 3 also that to do the will of the Lord equates one to be a brother or a sister of Christ Jesus. John chapter 13 verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do these things. You are blessed that if you do these things that the Lord has commanded So then we could say that the one who is not shaken is one who hears the word of the Lord and seeks to love God by demonstrating those characteristics of his moral law. Now, hear me. To do those things and not know or be found in Christ Jesus is to gain nothing. You can only do those things if you are saved. If you're trying to do them and you don't know the Lord or don't don't know who Jesus is, all you're doing is trying to work for your salvation and it is damning you more every day because you have become your own God. You are only able to do these things if you are found in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You must have Jesus first before you can do any of this. For you here sitting today, you must have Jesus first before you can do any of this and walk in a way that is fearful of God. Only possible through the salvation in Christ Jesus. The only way to walk with the Lord is to be saved in Christ. And when you're saved in Christ, your desires, because your heart of stone has been turned into a heart of flesh, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? When I have the Holy Spirit, I am exemplifying those things that are exemplified in Scripture, Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. I am also being filled with his word, which says be filled with God's word, filled with the Spirit, filled with God's words are interchangeable. In that thing that I know those words, that I live a, a, a biblical worldview in my life. It is only through Christ Jesus that you can understand his ways and his truth and that you can walk in a way that honors him. Let your joy be in discovering and learning the characteristics and the character of the triune God. Find joy in seeking his way for your life. Walking in an upright manner focused on him. James chapter 1 verse 22. Be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. Luke chapter 11 verse 28. Blessed are those that hear my words and keep them. Second Peter chapter 1. I think our last piece of scripture, 
2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in whom these things are not present, that one is blind, being nearsighted, and having forgotten the purification from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing sure. For in doing these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. These passages in the New Testament fit with what David is saying in Psalm 15. What does it look like to dwell in the, in the house of the Lord? We have entrance into the house of the Lord through Christ Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would not have said this. Trust in what the Lord has said. Be found in Christ Jesus. Be found in his eternal kingdom. To know and love your Lord Jesus Christ and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is your first step in honoring and walking in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we ask you to learn from these words in the Psalms. We know that they... I believe it was Luther that said, it was either Luther or Calvin that said that they are a fine book for Christian living. We know that David looked forward to a time of the Savior coming. He looked forward to a time when God was going to make it all new. He looked forward and trusted that you were doing exactly what you said, to you, said he, you were going to do, a man after your own heart. We ask that you allow us to be humbly changed by these words, to walk more closely with you, to believe more strongly in everything that you're doing, to have assurance every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.